Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. On today's show, it is all about sex and cannabis. We have John, the founder of Foria. Foria has literally created a new genre, sex and cannabis. They have products for pleasure and for taking away pain and menstruation cramps. It is fascinating stuff. I learned a lot. John is very well-spoken on the topic. You're going to learn a lot. It's sex, drugs, and lube on investing in cannabis. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Thank you so much for being on the show, uh, John. I'm a big fan of Foria. You guys have essentially created a new genre uh, with cannabis and and sex products um, and certainly have been a lot of different places, but I'm excited uh, to catch up with you directly and learn a little bit about how you guys got started in the, in the business and all of that. Um, I'll get you started on an easy one. How would you describe what Foria is? Well, and first of all, thank you for having us on or having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity today. Um, you know, Absolutely. for me, uh, what what Foria is as a brand, um, and now we've got four products uh, under our family umbrella. But <clears throat> what we rep, what we really speak to and represent is helping people use cannabinoids for health and wellness purposes, um, primarily in a sexual uh, health and wellness context or in an intimacy context. Um, but, you know, what, what really stands out to me is the opportunity to create, help people create presence and embodiment, as well as relaxation. Um, and that's typically achieved through either the um, enhancement of pleasure or the diminishment of pain. And I think that, that yeah. what's so important about what we're doing right now is that we're really at the dawning of a new age, I believe, in plant medicines and embracing plant medicines for the myriad of benefits that they can deliver to people. Um, and in the case of cannabis, I think there's a traditional notion of cannabis as a psychoactive. And there's an increasing awareness now about the potential and the power of the plant to enhance and assist people in a variety of ways, not just in a psychoactive context. Got it. So more pleasure, less pain, better sex. That's sort of the mission statement. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the sex part, to be honest, is not, I mean, we're, we're certainly known at this juncture for our pleasure topical and um, having been, you know, uh, received accolades from magazines like GQ as sex product of the year, there, there's definitely an association with the brand and sex, and that's a big part of what we are. But I just want to make sure to um, frame up the fact that there's an entire suite of opportunities to deliver in, uh, you know, products that really have benefit to people in their lives, not just in a sexual context. Got it. Absolutely. So take us through uh, the products a little bit. What, what's available today? So at the moment, we have four products. Um, our flagship product, which we launched about three years ago in California, is called Pleasure. And it's the product that most people are that people are most familiar with, um, and what it really is is a coconut oil base infused with THC. And the magic, if you will, of uh, of that product is that the THC, when absorbed vaginally, and the mucous membrane of the vagina is a fantastic um, access point into the body in terms of receiving cannabinoids, mm -hmm. um, the magic really of that product is that it creates a vasodilation response, which for non-technical <laughs> purposes is an enhanced blood flow. <laughs> Um, and so in, in kind uh -huh. of uh, enhancing and increasing blood flow to that region, um, what happens, and it's kind of what I touched on earlier, is that um, for the person who's experiencing that, they tend to be, um, be more focused, more present, and essentially more embodied for the sensation of the enhanced blood flow. Um, and from that place of feeling more connected um, to their bodies and sort of less distracted, less in their in their head or other energies that might be around them. Um, that's where whatever stimulation follows um, is really enhanced, and the experience to the person is elevated in um, in a very tactile way. Um, it also helps promote relaxation, which we also know to be an important precursor um, to feeling 
pleasure and to an intimate experience. Can you compare it to any other kind of products? I mean, someone that's had like a low dose edible or a, a different kind of topical, or is this a kind of a unique experience? Um, you know, I think what's, I would say it's unique. It's certainly um, highly differentiated from oral consumption, from edibles, from vaping and smoking. Um, and what what's really important about that or what the distinction there is really predicated on is that when absorbed transvaginally or through the mucosa of the vagina, the THC does not get metabolized in the same way that it does if consumed orally or inhaled. And so what, what actually mm -hmm. happens on a metabolic level um, in the liver is different. And, and so the resulting experience is, is far more localized. It's more of an embodied response. Um, and it's um, predominantly not psychoactive or mind altering. Now, when people get into a very relaxed mm -hmm. body state, certainly they can report feeling an overall state of being. So the, how people report experiencing pleasure is you know, an inherently subjective thing. Um, how someone reports their experience um, using cannabis for in other fashions is, is also very subjective, very, very difficult to quantify. Um, but for people who have shared with us their experience, they tend to speak of a very localized response uh, of an enhancement to sensation, of a deepening of experience, of a, um, a greater connection to oneself. And then to the extent that they want to extend that to a partner, if a partner is involved in the experience, um, then they're able to connect on a deeper level with their partner. They're also typically reporting um, being able to access states of pleasure that aren't as available to them normally. Um, and that's you know kind of one of the most exciting things for us is that it's it's got a very broad applicability. So for people that are, um, you know, otherwise in, in great shape or very actively able to feel themselves anyway, there's kind of a, an elevation from that state. And for people that have some diminished experience of themselves in an intimate context, and that could be from environmental reasons, it could be relational reasons, it could be um, related to the life cycle of humans. And so when we people speak from a place of uh, pre and uh, peri and postmenopausal, um, they're able to access their own bodies and their own systems in a way that has in some way not been what it was or what they used to feel. Um, and that's what's, that's one of the really exciting things for us is, is hearing from people who report a deep experience of themselves that they hadn't had in, in a long period of time or was otherwise compromised in some way, either from illness or just normal processes in life. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that I think that's consistent with cannabis as a whole uh, in that it only seems to sort of magnify your situation. It's not going to drastically alter it. If you go in with a bad mood or you're hungry or dehydrated, you're not going to have as positive experience as if you do all those things in preparation. So I, it sounds like it's really no different um, in this category either. Uh, I want to go back a little bit. Um, just into your, in your past, I was looking at your LinkedIn a little bit, uh, some real estate, some finance, uh, you're a lawyer. Uh, what's a guy like you doing uh, making cannabis sex <laughs> products? And uh, granted, I get that it's bigger than sex products, but you're all over the internet as someone that makes cannabis <laughs> sex products. So I, you know, why, why, this? why this? Yeah, it's a great question. And we can get on to the other products, uh, secondarily, but jump, ju jumping yeah, back into, yeah. into me for a second. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think that, um, w what's important probably to know, and, and, uh, you're, you're correct. There is a, a variety of real estate law and finance in my background. I, I like to point out that I haven't practiced law in this millennium. Um, cause that, that was really a long time ago. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, how I came to this opportunity, um, is really predicated on going through a pretty extensive life, uh, starting to ask different questions, frankly, in, in my life. And um, about six or seven years ago, I went through, um, you know, a, a separation, ultimately a divorce, um, and started to think about my life um, along different lines and got a little bit more granular and asking the question, 
what matters to me and and what do i really want to apply my my precious time energy and, and resources towards in this world and around that time and it's funny to be having this conversation right now because i'm actually in preparation to head out to the black rock desert next week and go to burning man um, but i had an opportunity mm-hmm. to go to my first burn back in 2010 which was right in this time frame that i'm talking about and i got extremely inspired by both the depth and breadth of people's creativity um, and also the extent that people were applying themselves to giving of themselves for the benefit of other people. And even more specifically, I had the opportunity to meet with some people who on a um, kind of a social entrepreneur level have mapped up their business lives with causes and missions that are that matter in the world right and so this whole notion of social entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. is something that i got turned on to around that time and what i was impressed with was just the 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 big game uh mindset of some of these folks and these are pretty big people in the the world i'm not going to name drop but but the inspiration was was pretty pretty powerful and pretty pretty tangible and the impact uh the potential impact on people was very exciting to me and what I started to tune into was an opportunity to align my business life with something that could really make a difference in the world. And that was extremely general intention at that time. Um, that was agnostic as to industry or um, just exactly where the focus would come from. But it was an important shift in my life. You know, pr- prior to that, I'd done things that I thought I could add value to and that I thought would make money and that, you know, maybe did some... Uh, some good along the way. But in general, the doing good piece of my life consisted of philanthropy. And this notion mm-hmm. of combining doing good with for-profit business activity was was kind of a new thing for me. So when I got back to, and I live in Boulder, Colorado. So when I got back to Boulder, it's actually a, a great ecosystem for social entrepreneurship. And I started uh, connecting with people in a different way um, and, and making that my uh, kind of what I was putting out to my community and into my network, who I was looking to connect with. And in the course of putting that message out, hey, you know, who's doing things that matter in the world? That's when I got connected to my business partner and co-founder, Matthew Gerson. Um, Matthew had previously Mm -hmm. created a uh, socially responsible condom company. Um, So he'd previously been in the sexual health and wellness space. Both of his parents are physicians. And he was musing on this idea of what if you could harness the kind of current trends in extraction and in cannabis technology and and oils. And as a condom person or someone who who looked at um, condoms, you know, from a business perspective, when he thought about oils and extracted Mm -hmm. oils, he thought about lube. And it was that sort of chocolate and peanut butter moment in his mind that, you know, the, the combination of an oil, an extracted cannabis oil and a lubricant, you know, what would that be like? And so that's really the original genesis from a creative standpoint of Foria was in Matthew's brain. He put out to his community, hey, who are some people that are you know, interested in sex, interested in cannabis, um, preferably in Colorado, because at the time Colorado was, you know, kind of leading in terms of going rec. Um, and that hit my network. And that's where the two of us synced up and took it from this idea and him doing things in his kitchen to, hey, this, there's really something here. Let's, let's broaden our research group. Um, plenty of people raising their hands saying, hey, I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to participate in what you guys are doing. Um, so we had a lot of very, very willing <laughs> volunteers. Um, and we started to refine the notion, you know, this concept. And, and that was in kind of the fall, summer or summer, fall of uh, 2013 at that point and into the mm-hmm. spring of 14, ultimately launching in uh, summer of 2014 in California. So yeah, it's really fr- born from a desire to help people, and this is the way that you know it's that 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 looks for me at this juncture. Yeah, I think that's one of the incredibly cool things about the cannabis industry is that most people are in it, of course, to make a profit. We all have to make money in the world, but they also just genuinely care about the people that use these products. 
Um, along those lines, I know that you guys are very transparent and it's very important to the ingredients uh, that go into these products. Can you tell me about that process a little bit? You know, formulating it for the first time and sort of testing things out. Where do you get the products? You know, how, how does that sure. part of it get um, Yeah, incredibly important in any consumer product context, for sure. Um, perhaps uh, even more so in, in ours, I think, um, you know, the sensitive nature of how our products are used um, really demands that we put an extreme emphasis and premium on quality, on efficacy and safety, certainly. Um, and so what we've done, and, and obviously the, the THC regulations, you know, sort of force you into, uh, you know, a state-by-state -state context, at least domestically at this point. Um, but what we've done is really try our best um, within the markets that we're active in, which at the moment is California, Colorado, and recently Canada, which we can touch on a little bit later. Um, but, uh, mm -hmm. but, but the notion of um, setting the bar extremely high for us in terms of both the, the source materials on the non-cannabis side, and so responsibly sourcing, excuse me, in, in this case, the coconut oil, because there are a myriad of different ways to source coconut oil, some of which um, are less desirable or less uh, reliable, should I say, than others. Um, and so we've, we've gone to great lengths to make sure that, uh, that those materials are sourced in a responsible and um, safe way. And then as far as the cannabis materials go, you know, our business model is, I mean, we're not cultivators and we're not extractor manufacturers. Um, so we really rely on partners for that. Um, but we've also been very clear in terms of where we've drawn the line for the use of um, certain extraction methodologies, the testing thresholds that may be acceptable at a state level, but aren't acceptable at our level. Um, and so we've really tried to dial that in. And, you know, look, I, I think if we're all being honest about it, the, the industry is still in so many ways, figuring itself out as it pertains to these types of issues, what's, you know, what's acceptable um, in terms of cultivation practices, what's acceptable in terms of manufacturing practices. So we're, we're obviously, um, as best we can, trying to stay, um, you know, current and ahead of those um, legislative or regulatory imposed hurdles. Um, we've, we've learned along the way, you know, it took a while for us to get our legs under us in terms of knowledge base. Neither, neither Matthew nor myself is, you know, kind of a 20 year dyed in the wool cannabis person. Um, certainly not from mm. a, a, a product creation standpoint. So, um, we had to get, get yep. very serious about that and really enlist the support and expertise of professionals. And so we've, we've been able to, to mm. attract some pretty high quality people, um, both in, in this area and in other areas to the opportunity. And I think that's one of the things that your listeners probably are, are most curious about is, you know, how are people coming to this, you know, who's getting involved, whether it's as investors and partners or um, licensee partners and so forth. And so, you know, for us, we've been extremely slow and deliberate in terms of how we've rolled out products and then how we've rolled out to new markets. Um, we haven't just tried to blitz into everything as fast as we could and potentially sacrifice and compromise on quality. We want to build a brand and a suite of products that earn the trust and respect and love, frankly, of our community. Um, and so we have to hold that as yep. sacrosanct. Sort of a sort of a, a, a slow grow approach, which is uh, ironically enough, the way that it's been described, the, uh, the lube has been described a few <laughs> times that I've seen. Um, so take me back a little bit to when you have the formula that you think is closest to what you're going to bring to market. Obviously, you didn't have any shortage of people that wanted to try it or test it out for you. But was there a moment for you particularly where you thought, wow, this is powerful. This is going to work. A lot of people are going to want this. Uh, I know you said that you were newly yeah. divorced at the time, but <laughs> did you find a partner to, to test yeah, it, it out Yeah, it was a good with? time to be uh, <laughs> to be working on um, these types of things. Um, but but yes, no. The, the short answer is I think that you know what what really was the light bulb moment for me because I certainly can appreciate and I had it myself a level of skepticism with respect to 
either hearing or reading some of the things that people have shared and reported, which incidentally is one of the, the, the exciting things for us um, from an opportunity standpoint is that when people have a positive experience in this area of their life, they really do want to share that with people that, you know, their peers and, yep. and, and trusted community. So it's, it's extremely viral in terms of the, the story. And I think that to date, that's been a big part of our communication strategy is just to let people, sp- you don't hear us out there like trumpeting this, that, and the other thing. People who are actually using the products are reporting and sharing. Um, and, and, you know, inherently mm-hmm. that's more real, right? Those are authentic shared experiences. Um, and they're coming from yep. a place of integrity. We have not paid for marketing. You don't see us advertising all over the place. Um, what people what people yep. write about and share is their, is their authentic experience. And so what I needed to hear really was someone who I trusted's authentic experience. Um, and, and I was able to do that both in a participatory context myself and then just from people that, you know, I knew would tell me what was, what was real. Um, and I, I happen to live in a community yep. here in Boulder where we are blessed with a multitude of divine goddesses and sacred feminines. And, um, you know, they were very uh, receptive to uh, participating in the experimenting, in the fine tuning, um, and ultimately in sharing with their own communities what their experiences are. Um, and that's kind of, a, that's mm-hmm. part of our ethos, frankly, is, is, and our charge is to be stewards in a community sense of a, lo- a message that's far bigger than us, right? I mean, it's the, the notion of cannabis as an aphrodisiac was not invented by Foria or by John and Matthew, not even close, sure. right? And so this is, this is something that's existed across millennia. We're just harnessing sort of modern practices and putting things into a safe context and, and putting it into channels where people can access it now instead of having to essentially do their own things. Um, so, so we don't take mm-hmm. credit for this from, um, you know, from that standpoint, but we do take it and, and hold this with a high degree of sacredness that we can help, help with this story, help this story be told on a broad scale. Um, and so we, that, we see ourselves as stewards of something far bigger than us. And I think a lot of people in this industry hold themselves in that regard. And so we stand with them in that way and, and are really trying to inform and educate people and create more awareness about what's possible here. Um, and I think, as we touched on earlier, yep. we, we are you know, in a golden age, if you will, of cannabis, um, not just domestically, but around the world and, in pl- and for plant medicines in general. Um, and so we see this as something that's merely the beginning of uh, what should hopefully be a very substantial movement culturally. Uh, what's the experience like for the guy or, or, or partner? Not that it's necessarily a guy, but you experiencing it for the first time. You know, uh, what's the experience like for, for the man? Yeah, I think there's... Um, well, it certainly depends on, on the specific context uh, of the relationship. Um, and, and so, as you mentioned earlier, it's this is not something that exists independent of the relational energy and, and field that's created between the participants. It's very much a tool and part and parcel of that. So it really depends in what context the products are being used. But I can, I can share with you that um, for a lot of guys, uh, their ability to feel connected to their partner is something that people often relate uh, a, a great improvement in. And it might be on account of a, a receptivity or a, a greater level of presence and connection for the female. Um, but as, as a male participating in that space, I mean, that, it's, it's incredibly powerful and, and extremely exciting to be in, a, in an intimate experience with someone who's really turned on, connected to themselves, and excited to bring you into that experience and connect with you. So there's a tremendous benefit relationally that can be achieved. Um, we often like to say there's no partner required 
as well. I mean, in, <laughs> by, by no means is this, you know, strictly for couples, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, as a guy participating in, in the situation, I would say, be thankful, be grateful that you got invited into the party, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously, you know, that, there's a tremendous uh, power in yeah. orienting that way and, and in, in terms of gratitude and, and respect. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you mentioned couples and that it's not necessarily all for couples. Um, who are the people that are buying this? You know, what, what's the core demographic look like? Yeah. And, and here I think it's probably important to expand the products that we've kind of focused exclusively on the pleasure topicals. Sure. Yeah. We, um, yeah, we can jump back there. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me expand on what that else just, is, uh, what just else for is a second and then what we can jump back to who's buying because it, it is important. Um, so the... Pleasure product came out in summer of 14, and one of the things that happened was that people started getting very creative about the use. Um, it wasn't just being used uh, externally or topically um, for women, but people were experimenting. In particular, some physicians actually got curious around what would happen if you could get the cannabinoids into direct contact with muscle tissue in particular in, in within the vagina and so for example the uterine wall which can be in spasm or in cramp particularly in a menstrual context um, what would happen is there a potential benefit here and that was one per line of inquiry there were others for um, from the uh, MD community that were curious around what other applicability did product or similar products have. And so through some experimentation, some, some communication and, and talking and sharing with us, we wound up with this hypothesis that if we could introduce the cannabinoids further into the body and utilize some other aspects of the plant, in particular, um, it's anti-inflammatory and anti-spasmodic properties, predominantly mm -hmm. in CBD. Um, if we could get that further into the body, what, you know, what benefits could flow from that? And so that was really the genesis of what is now our relief product, which is a suppository. Mm -hmm. It's cocoa butter infused with CBD and THC. Mm -hmm. um, and the benefits there, um, we kind of touched on menstrual cramp relief, but that's, that's been the biggest one that we've kind of led with and introduced into the consciousness of the consumer. It's certainly an extremely acute and meaningful um, situation for people who suffer from very painful um, cramps. And so mm -hmm. um, what people have shared with us around um, using the suppositories is that it basically you know, has, it dissolves the cramps. Mm -hmm. um, and people go from a state of incredible pain and debilitated sort of stat, you know, mental status, just really not being present or wanting to participate in their lives in the normal context and radical improvement, you know, rather quickly to a state mm. of, um, you know, not being in pain, being more present, showing up as parents and, you know, uh, colleagues in their, in their work context. And so the, the stories that people have shared with us around the suppositories are, even more moving to me than the pleasure enhancement side. And, and what, what was interesting yep. to us was to appreciate how much people, how people relate to their pain as distinct from how they relate to their pleasure. And the ability to, to diminish pain, you know, is, is an incredibly powerful and necessary thing. The opportunity to enhance pleasure seems almost a little bit like a luxury in, in a certain context. Now, there are people who the pleasure product is, you know, kind of moving them from non-functional to functional, which is, you know, very cool as well. But um, seemingly less important in the landscape of society. It, yeah, it does seem, yeah, it does agree. seem that way. And, and for yeah. me, it's just potent. I mean, I just, I get so inspired from hearing what the suppository use has been for women um, yeah. in that way. Um, so for women that aren't familiar with the suppositories yet, how does this relate to like a tampon or where in the process is this best uh, applied? Yeah, it's really best applied in, in kind of a pre-menstruation context. So, you know, just prior to the onset of, of menstruation when cramping is at its peak and before 
um, blood flow is, is really at its heaviest. Um, that's when people have, have reported the most significant benefits. There are also benefits to all types of inflammatory conditions. Um, so endometriosis is one that a lot of women um, struggle with. And there are other pelvic inflammatory uh, conditions that people have been using the suppositories to great success with. So that, mm -hmm. one, that one also cuts across... I mean, ta the, the notion of it's been popularized in, in the media as the weed tampon, right? Um, yeah. That yeah. got miswritten by someone sometime and then picked up by everybody else. And we never, yeah. we never, it's, saw not, a, it's not a tampon. It, it's not, not a, it's not a tampon. It, it, it's a cocoa butter yeah. suppository that dissolves into your body is absorbed in and the cannabinoids do their thing. Um, the, the suppositories, and we have um, another formulation, which is, marketed um, specifically for anal use. Um, the reality mm -hmm. is that each of the suppositories can be used vaginally or rectally. So there's, it's not like one can only be used in one way. But for guys, right. th there are real benefits to using the suppositories rectally. Um, in particular, um, a few things I would point out. There's, uh, I hold a lot of tension in my hips, for example, mm -hmm. and have low back pain as well. And so for mm -hmm. anything that's sort of sacral um, related, whether it's muscle relief, uh, muscle relaxation, or anti-inflammatory or pain relief, um, it's really an incredibly um, gentle pain reliever, and it doesn't have a lot of the side effects that Western medicine painkillers, um, certainly not opiates, uh, you know, are kind of um, loathed for. So yep. there's there's a yep. really safe and natural alternative there for people. Um, there's also just now you real, had to real, have oops, some I, real pushback yep. from from men that you tell you told that this is an anal suppository and it's better than than taking prescription drugs. Yeah. Uh, some people must have looked at you like you're crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I had never um, put anything, I had never taken a suppository uh, previously. Yeah, yeah. So I, it took some convincing for me. And I, I remember some of the conversations pretty clearly um, with Matthew, <laughs> where he challenged me to uh, you know, try something that we were going to be <laughs> introducing into the world. And I took him up on yep. it and, and, and quickly came around to the benefits. But it, you know, in our sort of... Um, heteronormative culture. Uh, it is definitely a edgy thing for most guys. Um, yep. It's um, something that some people will just absolutely not uh, engage with, and and that's fine. I mean, yep. it's, we're certainly not, you know. But but for um, for anal sex in particular, it actually achieves a number of things that are pretty important lubrication muscle relaxation and enhanced sensation so you know if you mm -hmm. speak to people who are active and and we think this is one of the first if not the first products that's been specifically presented to lgbt community um uh -huh. and you know that's something that we feel really proud about i mean this is uh you know it's a natural safe alternative to some things that are being used right now that are not natural and not safe, frankly. Um, so we're Got excited it. to present that. Yeah. Fascinating. And I guess for anybody that's really hesitant, uh, I guess it just depends how badly you want your pain to subside. Uh, but I think many people get to a point where they'll try anything. Um, and this is certainly a safe and natural uh, alternative to a lot of the things that you laid out there. So get over your weirdness if it can really help you. That That's the message here, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I, I would agree with that. And, you know, all, all I can say is, you know, there is a, uh, there's a benefit to be had there. If, if you're willing to get over the, um, whatever the obstacle, the psychological barrier is there. Um, I, I, I yeah. would use them if I'm going out skiing or going out for a night uh, dancing or something. It just, I feel more embodied. I mean, it just, it's a relax. It, it helps me relax in my core. And there's um, muscles that relax that you can't f turn on and off with your brain. I mean, these are deep, you know, inner like psoas type muscles. So it's really a gentle muscle relaxant. Uh, um, putting aside regulations, uh, have you talked to... Um, spas that give enemas or, you know, colonoscopies, that kind of thing, because that would seem like a really natural addition. Yeah. And, and we're actually developing some things in that regard. Um, some that would be THC based, some that would be not THC based. And that's a whole area of opportunity that we have as a brand um, distinct from 
folks that are participating exclusively in the THC space. And so sure. if we tie that back for a second to our fourth product, um, which is called Foria Awaken, that is a kind of um, multi-level natural botanical essence uh, version of our pleasure product, but okay. not, but without the THC. Yeah. And, and which that, allows you to sell it everywhere. Right? It allows it. Well, it allows us to sell yeah. it everywhere. It also has some different attributes that are pretty important. So people say, well, why would I buy one and not the other? They're actually distinct and, and different products. And what's, okay. what's, incre what's incredibly exciting for us about Awaken, in addition to the fact that we have the ability to um, get it into more people's hands, um, by virtue of not being regulated in the THC context is that it actually delivers a different suite of benefits. And this is one you asked about guys. This is one that actually has a little bit more engagement for a guy or whomever might be involved in, in an intimate um, context. Um, what's exciting about it is that it creates a more immediate sensation, whereas the pleasure product relies upon being absorbed into the body um, and takes a little bit of time, similar to an edible in terms of the onset of uh of efficacy, <clears throat> the Awaken product has a much more immediate sensation. Kind of, uh, there's there's a number of um, essential essences, you know, plant essences that are in there. We have um, vanilla, cacao, cardamom, um, uh, kava, ginger, cinnamon, and mint all in the similar mm. coconut oil base. And and what's what's cool about that product, and we actually do the infusions ourselves on this one from some of the roots of those plants, um, is that it does have that more immediate biofeedback of, ooh, I, I feel something, right? So there's a connection, an immediate mind-body connection due to the, the mint and the ginger and the cinnamon in particular. Um, the kava really functions as a relaxing agent. So it hits on a, it's, it's a very sophisticated blend of uh, plant essences, um, and that product, um, one of well, a couple of things. So from a, a, a participant ex experience, there's a much more noticeable um, smell and taste associated mm. with that product. Um, and so as oh. someone who, like we, we actually just put it on as <laughs> around the office, we'll just, you know, put a little bit behind our, our ears and on our wrists. And it's it really, it, it smells incredible. It tastes mm. incredible. And it's really just fun to have all over you, your partner, everybody. <laughs> it's <laughs> so from, a, and, and there is some enhanced sensation, I think from the, the warming and the tingling for a male, obviously we have a different, um, our skin isn't nearly as absorptive as female, but um, but it is one that uh, is incredibly fun to to play with, and the smell and the taste really light up different senses, and so there is a greater sense of an involvement um, with the product itself uh, for for guys. So it's also a fantastic cologne. Is what, is it, what it, it's a pretty darn good perfume <laughs> or cologne, um, and you know we just launched this within I guess about two months ago now. Um, and the early responses have been fantastic. Uh, people from more than 40 countries around the world have already wow. purchased this product. And, and we really haven't gotten started from a marketing perspective with it. But what that really validates to us is that people are paying attention, right? This stuff matters. Yep. It's important to people. And, they, and they're able to access it through the you know kind of modern technology internet and so forth people are finding out about stuff in really far away places and we're excited to get it to them yeah, i want to talk about the the pr strategy a little bit um you're a very well-known brand particularly for how young you are um and for the limited amount of money you've raised you know you've really done a lot with the brand um, and you said you haven't spent anything on marketing, but talk to about that strategy a little bit because it seems like every major outlet has covered you. I was just looking at your press page on your website briefly. How are you getting that done? I think a lot of founders listening to the show really want to know how you got that out there. Like yeah. That. Well, appreciate that, number one. Um, I, and I think, again, it, it kind of ties to this notion of it's not so much what we've done it's that this is a very compelling story. 
And this is something that mm-hmm. people, I mean, it's, it's a sexy story, right? I mean, like, p- people want yep. to write about these things. That, so the, the media outlets that have picked this up have their own agendas, right? They want to spread the word. They, they want to get people interested in their viewer, from a viewership perspective. And so it, it's something that is, is attention getting um, as mm-hmm. a story. You know, we're not sitting here jumping up and down, waving our hands saying, look at me, look at me. But the story itself is very compelling. And I think that what you've seen is kind of a, rever- a reverberation where um, something shows up in Cosmo or HuffPost or GQ. Well, I think that their peers in the media are staying tuned into that stuff as well and are likely to mm-hmm. take an interest in something that they would like to put in front of their readership. Um, so I, I think some of it has to do with the story itself. Um, most of it, frankly, has to do with the story itself. I would say that from the, well, what have we done? Um, we've had a, a focus on trying to help get the story out, right? And so we, we have engaged um, with media to the tune of, hey, is this something you're interested in, in sharing? You know, here, here's here's an angle that you might consider for your for your viewers or your readers. Um, so we, we have been affirmative in terms of reaching out, but this has been done in-house, right? We, it's not like we have some mm-hmm. outside firm or something. So we, we've had that, those resources um, within the company, but we have made it a point of emphasis of trying to um, speak or, or you know, inquire with who might be interested in, in hearing and discussing the story. Yep, got it. Uh, so with all of that exposure, um, what has that meant for the business side of things? I mean, uh, is there a metric that you track really, you know, closely? What does what does yeah. success look like? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I mean, you know, part part of me feels incredibly constricted and constrained by the THC universe, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like the way that we, in order for us to make our products, the, the, certainly the products that have THC, available to a lot of people on a big scale is an extremely challenging thing. You, you know this from from your participation in the industry and from the companies that you've talked to. Um, that is not easy to do, um, and so mm-hmm. we have been slow and deliberate in terms of how we've done that. Um, but what we, what we tracked internally was so last year, for example, 2016, we had more than 2,000 visitors per day on our website, Mm -hmm. which for us felt Mm -hmm. like a a staggeringly large number given that we weren't paying for clicks or marketing for Mm -hmm. clicks, right? And it was was both exciting and kind of validating in the, hey, people are listening, people are paying attention, people are curious, they read an article, they clicked on the thing, they they came to the website. But from a pure business perspective, it was was a a real... um, it was a bummer, to be honest, in the sense that they couldn't experience the products. They couldn't convert. For the, yeah, they they could, couldn't yeah we, we couldn't convert. And not just from a dollar's perspective, but people were asking us, hey, when are you going to be in Washington? When are you going to... I live in Texas. Well, I don't matter. Why can't you come to Oregon? Like, I mean, people were mm-hmm. angry with us because we weren't available in their market. Yep. Or in their country. Hey, I, I live in in Spain. How do I get your products? I want to rep you in Singapore. I mean, people checking in from us with us from around the world, South America, literally mm-hmm. all parts of the world. People were coming to us. So, from a business perspective, we were like, okay, wow, there's a much bigger opportunity here than just oh, can we get into Arizona and Illinois and Nevada and or you know. Right. So right. the question was, how do we now tackle this for the the, op- the opportunity set for the brand dramatically outgrew our capacity to actually deliver products to people in those markets. And yeah. so that's when we shifted attention and got really serious about creating products that could that did have efficacy and that could be delivered to people everywhere. And so that's really what led to the creation of Awaken. And we have a pipeline of products right behind it to broaden that out um, and capitalize on the fact that all of these people are interested. They're all paying attention. They want something that can deliver these types of benefits and benefits that we haven't even touched into yet. You mentioned a few of them and there's a number of others that are on our um, you know, R and D pipeline. 
Um, so, so the notion of how to cross over from a THC, you know, originally birthed as a THC brand, um, we've now officially, in our minds, kind of crossed over to a global brand of wellness products. Um, which is not to say that we don't want to develop the THC business because we absolutely do. And so we want to do that in parallel to developing um, a suite of products that can be sold and distributed worldwide. And that's where this crossover mm -hmm. brand or this lifestyle brand piece is really taking root for us. So if you pick up this month's edition of Cosmo magazine, you'll see a spread, a two-page spread on, I think it's eight or nine um, sexual products. I think they're all lubricants and they're uh, mostly, mm -hmm. mostly lubricants and we're featured in there, but it's not an article on cannabis. It's an article, it's right. an article right. on sex and we're in there j just yeah. alongside all these other things from names that you would recognize and players. That you so, so that to us is, is further affirmation of this notion that the brand is is now a wellness brand it is a lifestyle brand and our market opportunities from a business perspective are well beyond what we can do in the THC world at the moment yeah it's incredibly it's incredibly exciting i mean that's really the normalization that i think so many people are striving for that look this we shouldn't talk about this because it's a cannabis product we should talk about it because it's a great product uh, and it can it can help you um, but it does beg the question a little bit. Um, how important is THC in this product? Right. So <clears throat> it's very important in, in, in the products that it's in. Um, the question I think you're asking is, can you derive similar benefits from products that don't contain THC? Um, and, you know, we are testing non-THC variants of the suppositories for a variety of conditions. Um, we're, we're playing with what other ingredients would come into play. Um, and this is where attracting, you know, expertise well beyond ourselves is really important. So mm -hmm. the, um, neither Matthew nor I have a background in, you know, at the level that we need to from an academic and science perspective to really get curious around what can happen without THC in these types of um, uses. And so we've, uh, we've been blessed to, to get connected to some uh, master herbalist type people, some um, naturopathic MDs, um, and, and we're bringing a lot more rigor to bear at the moment on what's possible. Um, so mm -hmm. from, from this place that we're sitting now, our eye level is being raised and the notion of, okay, you know, now that People, we know people are paying attention. We know that there's an appetite for products similar to ours. What can, what can we do here? Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, the THC plays a vital role at the moment in the, you know, in, in the products that it's in, but can we deliver benefits similar or in alongside without THC is, is certainly a question that we're actively, uh, you know, engaged with. Yeah, it's fascinating, and I'm sure that's top of mind uh, for anybody that would consider investing in your company. Um, you've raised a little bit of money, about half a million dollars, according to my notes, and you're looking to raise another one to two, something like that. Um, how's that How's that going? I mean, what's that process look like in 2017 for someone? I mean, you guys have a lot of press. That's certainly helping. Right. No, no doubt. Yeah, no, it is. And, and we've, we've raised more than that in, in total. Not all of it was in the form of equity. We've got some convertible debt in, uh, um, at the moment. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the fundraising piece for us, it's funny because we, obviously we needed to demonstrate and validate the, pro, you know, initially we, we needed to get product into market, have acceptance, validation. Um, we've achieved that. Could we capture, uh, you know, the attention on the demand side of a large um, market? Uh, you know, is that market addressable? All those types of questions. We've largely checked all of those boxes. And so for us, we are at an inflection point. And I kind of touched on it earlier in terms of the opportunity set for where we go from here is disproportionate to our horsepower internally as a team. I mean, we're a very modest group, mm. you know, numbers wise. We've got, um, you know, six or seven people essentially uh, currently yep. working. And, you know, th there's only so much that we can take on at the moment, but that's obviously that's a, that's something I need to solve for. We need to solve for as a business, because if we're constrained by our own internal resources or by the capital, 
but the opportunities are there that you know there's a disconnect that can be solved and we're in the process of solving it so right now we've got um you know we're, we're in uh what we would call a series a fundraise mode um, we're talking to people really running the spectrum from your high net worth individual, smaller type investor, um, into that mid-sized kind of aggregated group of high net worth investors uh, type of zone, yep. and then on up to the more professional um, fund-ish type people, um, and and everybody kind of comes from a slightly different place with that, and and we've got you know feelings that could take us in in different directions with respect to that too. I mean, there's people that would. Um, really light up on the global wellness opportunity and really want to put a lot yep. more resources to bear on creating a, a much bigger e-commerce play. Um, in that case, the the capital requirements, you know, probably go up and that's fine. Um, you know, we, we can entertain a path that looks like that. If it's really a question of adding a few more products into the lineup and adding new markets into the, um, you know, in, domestically, certainly, um, that can be done, you know, without too much additional capital. We have a very capital light balance sheet and business model. Um, so we mm -hmm. talked about this earlier, but you know, relying on third-party licensed partners um, and really focusing where we can add, you know, for, for infrastructure purposes and, and where we can add the most value, we think is stewardship of the communication, of the brand, of the messaging, and continuing to innovate with products. Um, and, and that's yep. really what our passion is and, and where we'd like to focus. So what we're looking for, in addition to capital, is really best-in-class operating partners that are putting the rails together for this industry or the similar related industries. Um, and so, you know, an example of that at the moment is our uh, relationship with Canopy Growth and Tweed up in Canada. Um, and so mm -hmm. they actually came to us with a, the general proposition was, hey, you know, we like we like what you guys have created and the brand. Um, we think there's there's something there. We could we could do this ourselves, or we can partner with you. And our preference is to yep. part. Our preference is to partner with you because we like what you got, and we'd like to you know bring it to our marketplace and our future marketplaces. Yep. And so we we were you know encouraged by that, and certainly very much consistent with our strategy. And so we entered into that arrangement, and they launched Pleasure in Canada of their regulatory environment they can only do pleasure not the suppositories just yet but um got it pleasure is is in canada and available now in fact they just sold through their entire first production batch um ahead of their uh you know wow. their anticipated projection yeah so they're having to reload quickly <laughs> quicker than they thought on making more which is a you know fits into the good problem to have category but um it was an interesting uh message to receive when they said hey here's the sales totals and oh by the way we just sold through the whole first batch so we need we're, more we were gonna yeah well, that's incredible yeah, yeah. it's it's you really could, good you news couldn't have a better call than that yeah, yeah it, it's a great one and 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 they're out in front in terms of building capacity in south america through brazil and europe and germany and in australia so you know ideally uh it's partnerships you know that partnership and others like it that will help us really you know ex extend and expand the footprint of the brand um, we're not yeah. going to be the ones to go build cultivation and manufacturing in all of these places um, but there's a great partnership opportunity for the right fit so. got it yeah if i put my investor hat on for a second there's sort of a inherent conflict here um, if you believe in the power of THC and psychoactive ingredients, uh, which I do, and you want to see the growth of that line of business as much as possible, um, there is some conflict in there in saying, well, okay, but if we don't have THC in the products and future products, the you know total addressable market for this is just far, far bigger in terms of e-commerce and states and countries. I mean, what do you say to that? You know, how do you hold on to sort of the the psychoactive piece of it? Well, the reality is that the products are, uh, are going to be and continue to be different. I mean, Awaken is a different product than Pleasure. There are people that will prefer Pleasure or prefer Awaken. There are people that will mm -hmm. use both differently. So the fact that they're somewhat analogous to each other um, is an interesting thing, but I don't believe to be you know, kind of dispositive of it's an either or type of situation. Um, and I'll give you a more, okay. speci a more specific example of how the 
THC and non-THC opportunities can be synergistic and accretive to each other. So take, for example, um, a market in the U.S. that's soon to be THC available, right? So maybe it's Pennsylvania. They've adopted, um, you know, a framework. They're putting it in place, and they're, I don't know, six to nine months away from having stuff up and running. Well, we can go into mm -hmm. Pennsylvania right now. First of all, we can partner with someone who's licensed in to, to, for THC in Pennsylvania. We can create a relationship with them so that they can bring Foria mm -hmm. into their marketplace. But <clears throat> what we can do is actually precede the market, the consciousness of that market with marketing, advertising specific to the non-THC products and actually deliver those products into market so that people are already familiar with the brand when the, when the T and, and, you know, coming soon for your pleasure, right? Available at your dispensary. So you, you actually have mm -hmm. an opportunity to play um, a different game than you can if you're strictly relocated to, to THC products. Um, and likewise, the awareness and, and, and pickup of non-THC products in markets that do have THC in them will also drive brand awareness and a desire to go into that dispensary and pick up a product. I'll give you an even more specific example, which is that one of the things that's on the horizon for us from a product perspective is a vape pen a Foria mm -hmm. branded vape pen. And, you know, it's easy to take the position that says, well, oh, just what the world needs, another vape pen. Great, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's my perspective as well. Um, but, and there are people, and we know this because our consumers, there, uh, there's a huge percentage of our consumers that are not otherwise shopping THC products. They're, they're yeah. aware and interested in our products for their unique benefit set, but they're not the person that's going to buy a pre-roll or an edible or something like that. Right. Um, and the real question is, if we design a Foria pen that is a low-dose or micro-dose pen that has the Foria essence, and for example, in this case, our Awaken blend can be utilized in a pen from a taste mm -hmm. and smell perspective. Um, can we can we design a pen? And we're pretty well done with the formulation on this, so this is this is pretty close. Um, but yep. can, we, can we design a pen that's high CBD, low THC, that's very easily titrated down? So, you know, a very small dose for someone who's just wanting to experience a level of psychoactive em embodiment, perhaps in conjunction with their intimate. Use, use of intimacy products, perhaps otherwise, mm -hmm. but but being brand consistent, you know, basically um, brand loyal, if you will, and and so yep. we know that our products occupy a very small segment of the entire current THC world, right? Topicals, one percent maybe in most markets, um, and so we're we're playing in a very shallow pond with our existing products. Can we? Can we put an attractive product in play in the bigger part of the market in the THC world? We think we can. You know, it'll it'll be proven out soon whether that's true or not. Um, but that's a, another way that and and whether there's a non-THC pen and a THC pen, you know, those are diff ways that we can have these play alongside of each other and be complementary yep. and accretive. Yeah. Yeah. My main thought there is that. Um, if you see other products um, like a very healthy edible or something that's not designed for sort of the core stoner demographic, I think in today's dispensaries, people look for as much bang for their buck as possible. Um, and I hear this time and again, they say, oh, my edible is better for you. And, you know, it's, it doesn't have all these fake ingredients and sugars and everything. But how many milligrams does it have in it? Um, and I just wonder, you know, if you guys are going to run into the same thing and how much you've thought about that as, okay, I go into the store, maybe I know what Foria is, but am I actually paying the same amount for just a, a much lower potent vape pen than I would get otherwise. Sure. No, I, it's, it's a very fair question and, and something that we discuss and, and deliberate on. Um, we actually posed that question to some of the Foria community through a variety of channels. And um, it wasn't specifically that question, but it was, how would you feel? It was, it was questions about a pen. And it was easily the most engaged and requested product line extension that we've ever 
you know, had a conversation around mm. from our, from our community. Yeah. And so, you know, this isn't like us trying to impose something on other people. I mean, th- this is very much community generated and our, one of our um, core beliefs as a company is that the product ideas, you know, are going to come from community. I mean, that the development of the suppositories mm-hmm. really was an example of that. The development of Awaken was also um, kind of in response to people's request for, hey, can you get us something? And, you know, this something happens to be pretty awesome. But if we can continue to deliver things that are awesome to people, um, I don't, we don't really worry about the current makeup of who walks into a dispensary. I totally agree with what you're saying. But in reality, that's a younger male crowd that wants the most bang mm-hmm. for their buck. That's not our yep. core market. Um, well, you know, um, mature females make up uh, or control the vast majority of wellness spending in households. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's much a much bigger opportunity for us, both on the THC and the non-THC side. I mean, in California, where we operate a collective and we can actually see who buys our product. So, you know, in Colorado, we don't have as direct a, a connection to the purchaser, right? It happens through, we're, we're okay. you know, there's retail, you know, it goes at the retail level. So in California, we have our own collective. And so we, we can actually see one of the most interesting things to me that we've seen over the years is that there's people who are joining our collective and getting Foria who very clearly just got their med card. And if you look at their demographics, you're like, yeah, that person's not the typical otherwise dispensary going person. They just got their card yep. to be able to get for you. And then they joined our mm-hmm. collective and they have for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there is a, a segmentation there that's important to us. Um, and, and it, it does put, it, it does yeah. put us in a minority of the current THC retail universe. And that's one of our biggest challenges to date is how, how does our pro, how do our products get sold in a retail environment that is inherently geared to sell other things to other people? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and it's also, yeah. it's also a problem for us at the wholesale level because those, you know, the, mm-hmm. the communication from wholesale to retail, retail to patient and consumer is a very difficult chain to navigate for products that require as much education and as sensitive of an, uh, of a conversation as our products do. Your, yeah. your average bud tender exactly. is not going to re- be really able to handle or be someone that that person who's at the moment of purchase going to start asking questions about their orgasms or about their cramps yeah. or something, right? That's just <laughs> I'm, not I'm your picturing a, yeah, yeah it's not going to happen. Well, I, I'm picturing a middle-aged woman coming in to a dispensary for the first time and asking about a suppository to a 22-year-old male um, who had a 500 milligram edible today already. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> that, right. That's a really big challenge. It, that's a massive it's challenge. It's a huge challenge for us. And it's one of the reasons that, you know, we've, we've banged our head against that problem for a long time. And mm-hmm. there are dispensaries that get it, that get our products and that embrace it. And they do things differently. They have a softer mm-hmm. approach as it pertains to these products. They're willing to raise the top. Hey, have you heard about Foria? Oh, really? Okay. Yep. But, you know, but your average dispensary typically does not do that. They're going to sell the stuff that sells itself. It's people come in for flour. They're going to choose with strain. They're going to grab a, an edible. Uh, you know, what do you do with this? Well, you eat it. What do you do with this? Well, you drink it. I mean, these products don't require a lot of explanation, right? Maybe there's a question about yeah. dosage, but it, yeah. it's just not nearly as sophisticated a conversation as we need to have or our products need, you know, need to have, which is another reason why the e-commerce play for us is so significant because people do shop intimacy products typically at home on their sure. laptops, yeah. sitting in bed. They want privacy. Yeah. They want privacy mm-hmm. and they want a private conversation. If they're going to ask questions, they'll ask us questions. We have a great customer support team that will talk all day long to people about these types of things. And people ask and we answer and, and engage. And that, that can happen when we're in the conversation, but not in the typical retail environment. And so it, it is it is one of the more interesting things that we have to navigate as to how the industry functions today versus how it might in the future versus what our opportunities are alongside of the THC world. I, I love the way that you talk about what are sensitive, largely female issues. Uh, and you're very, very informed. I've learned a lot. I know the audience has learned a lot. 
but do you get pushback that there's two guys running a you know a product line of wellness and sex items primarily for women i mean it, it's a little weird at, at least <laughs> weird's an interesting word in this case <laughs> um but uh yeah, I mean, look, it's it's been raised before as a question. Um, I think if you spend time with Matthew, you spend time with myself, uh, what you'll get, or what hopefully you'll get, is that we, we hold this with a tremendous degree of sacredness, and this is important to us. And um, we have mothers and sisters and daughters and wives and <laughs> lovers. And, you know, I mean, I don't think you have to be a female to care about female issues. Um, mm-hmm. I also don't think that our product are strictly limited to female issues. So I would sort of, uh, you know, take umbrage with the general, you know, sure. thing. But but there is, I mean, it's, it's a fair observation. I will also add that our goal and desire with this, and, and it's part of the reason you don't see either Matthew or myself all over the place out there like, hey, you know, look at me. And, you know, we're, that's just not who we are. You know, this is about the brand. This is about the products. This is about their benefits. And so um, we invite and encourage as much female leadership and participation as we can get in our venture. Um, and so whether that happens at a, you know, an investor, partner, board, um you know, sea level. What every other person that works for the company is a female. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, it. And, and that's tra- that traditionally been been the case. Um, and we honor and value uh, you know as much um, female participation as as we can attract. Um, yeah, I mean, you're coming at it with such a tremendous amount of respect, um, which I think is the only way that that you really can. And it's certainly an excellent proof point that everybody else in the company is a woman. Um, well, this was a great conversation, John. I really appreciate it. Uh, I learned a lot. I think uh, a lot of people are going to know better what you guys stand for and what you're all about. Thanks for being on. I really enjoyed it. Well, I appreciate the time as well, Brandon. Thank you for the opportunity. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Plug the uh, the website here, foriawellness.com. There is a lot of great testimonials as well as a segment with Conan O'Brien and all the other media uh, exposure that you guys have had. It's been fun to watch. I can't wait to watch uh, more, and we'll have you back on in a, a little while and, and get an update as well. Deeply appreciative. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, John, and thanks for listening, guys. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time.